Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is Thursday. Uh, it's the 19th of September, 2019. This month is moving along fast, even though we feel like our feet are kind of stuck in sludge, right, during the week. But nevertheless, it's moving ahead pretty quick. Uh, and as always here, Monday through Friday, live, we talk about topics that maybe nobody else is talking about and we're remembering history so that way we can make the sense of what's going on today and what we expect to happen tomorrow so we have been talking about the bcci the bushes corruption and for almost a year uh I've been saying the way we can determine and find out exactly what's going on is by following the money. So, uh, nevertheless, we stick by that. And I discovered just um, a couple days ago that there was, well, no, it was two weeks ago that I found it, but I had to do my homework and look in. And it turns out that we may have discovered uh, the new, maybe, BCCI. So, to understand the BCCI, um, I thought I can play a 1980s, late 1980s news report for you guys to listen so you can understand what the Bank of um, Commerce and uh, Community Commerce International Bank, which was, remember, uh, largely owned by Saudi Khalid, which was a, and also Bush 41 was a board of director on that bank, uh, which that bank was a racketeering bank because of who it served and how it operated. Uh, almost everybody and their mother that was uh, an illicit organization or gang member and countries had an account with them and they got caught and they got caught because of a civil suit. So um, I thought we could talk about that. And I'll play that clip. But for now, I want to play just the first five minutes of an interview I had with Millie Weaver um, yesterday. Our audio was being throttled a little bit. But I want you guys to take a listen to how this all ties in. And then I'll walk you through it step by step. After two men who nearly died from an overdose. I mean, this is insane. At least two men who have crossed paths with Ed Buck have died, and one man overdosed. Now, this man claims to have been injected with methamphetamines by Ed Buck, this mega-rich donor of the Democrats. And apparently this this Democrat donor was into a weird master-slave 
sexual fetish with black men. This was a white man who had weird master-slave sexual fetishes with black men who liked injecting them with methamphetamines, and two of which have died. Could you imagine if this were a Republican donor? Every single leftist outlet out there, most of the mainstream media outlets out there, would be going on and on about how horrible this is, how racist this guy was, but... They are just muting it out. I mean, of course, they're having to cover it because it's such a huge national story. But the headlines are a lot more polite than they would be if it were a Republican donor. The double standards are strong. But let's look at these donors, these Democrat donors. We know that Jeffrey Epstein was a mega Democrat donor, and he also invested a lot of money into the Democrats and also had some pretty bizarre sexual vices and he was wrapped up in criminal activities as well. So you got one guy, Ed Buck, wrapped up in criminal activities, methamphetamine distribution, sexual vices. Jeffrey Epstein, he's wrapped up in underage sex trafficking and he's got sexual vices. And then we also even had Harvey Weinstein, who was the Democrats' most, one of the most prolific donors of the Democrat Party, and he was wrapped up in sexual allegations of assault. And we all know that the Hollywood movie industry is full of money laundering. I mean, there's been case after case where movie execs were charged in money laundering schemes. So let's go to Tori, because Tori, how you found this amazing story that you're going to break that has to go it goes way into following the money into banking and could be the next big BCCI scandal when this all gets investigated and fully comes out. Um, go into how you found this uh, this information, Tori. Um, good evening, everyone. Thanks for having me on here, Millie. So um, like I've said many, many times before, I've been investigating Epstein since I saw his jet on a military base landing and picking people up senators congresspersons and generals and i was like who's the dude with the jet they're like oh he's I'm like they don't arrive in jets financiers don't just land in the middle east on a base you know and walk around like they own the place so i wanted to say uh at that point our audio was being cut off and that was something that we noticed while we were live streaming on youtube So here's the deal, guys, and I'll kind of run it through you. You know, I've been looking into the financials. That's how I found uh, the link with uh, Maxwell and uh, and Nixium, you know, Bronfman's. So I had this huge file that I was going through. And as I was on my screen, I was just swiping, swiping, swiping. And, you know, visually, when we're looking through a lot of data, the key is to find a pattern, like either a square, a triangle, a word that you just, you know, snap, see? And as I was going through, there was this, there were these documents that had an American flag uh, on the upper left side, uh, upper left side. And I think maybe it was the third one because I was just swiping, 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 right? And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And I look at it, and it is the old logo of a corporation, an organization, right, organization, called uh, the D-C-C-C, D-Triple-C. So basically what this 
organization does. It's the um, Democratic Congressional uh, Committee something something. Um, what they do is basically uh, make sure that the Dem- Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, there it is, uh, they're literally the official campaign arm of Democrats in the House in, in, that are in the House right now, like for people like Pelosi, Nadler, et cetera. And what I noticed was is that there was a sh- there were a couple of documents that look like orders. So the the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee was sending out like a document, kind of like the one that you would fill out for your employer that says, put your name and your banking details so we pay you direct deposit. It looked kind of like that. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why does Jeffrey Epstein have um, this documentation? Why does he have wire transfer orders from the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee towards... Uh, DNCs of various states. Now, is it illegal that campaign funds from the DNC, say, in Georgia or the DNC in Virginia or the DNC in North Carolina, um, and they send their campaign monies to the DCCC? Yeah, it could be. So the DCCC could... Um, it could be legal, could be illegal. I mean, at bottom line is it's still a congressional campaign. So maybe the DNC is funding, fu- funneling money to them too. I don't know. I'm not an expert on that. But what I can say is it's pretty odd that Jeffrey Epstein would have these things in his possession, right? And according, you know, and part of his account portfolio. So I started all over again from page one. And I think there were maybe just under 5,000 pages that I was scrolling through. And I was like, I'm going to find another pattern. Okay, so there's got to be some significance. So as I noticed from the first one, which I had totally missed, and the second, um, first one was buried in the first 100 pages, maybe around 60. uh, I noticed that there was a a connection. Wire transfers that Epstein had done had done so to different account numbers, but with the same routing number that was being found on these order forms. So I was like, what? Hold on. Oh, interesting. I'm like, let me look up the routing number. So at that point, I had up the the, the order form from the uh, DC, DCCC to the DNC um, organization of Georgia. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, um, this says that the bank is in Washington, D.C. on K Street. So maybe I don't have to look. So I tried to look for that bank. I couldn't really find it. Um, I tried to do Google, um, you know, Street View. Uh, All I could see was that it was like in this area where there was a FedEx and there was, you know, a Nordstrom's and it looked like a mall. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Maybe they have an office. Tons of, you know, Democrat lobby arm offices. Uh, registered to that address. And I'm like, all right, um, let me take a better look. So I take the routing number and I search it on the ABA uh, website. So that's the American Banking Association. And boom, the routing number comes up, but it doesn't come up for Washington, D.C. Even though the address of the account used that routing number, uh, you know, there. And then further investigation shows that the account number is found both in, is, is, it, is part of New York, not D.C. So I'm thinking, okay, hold on a second. I've seen this before. And that is how I remember the BCCI. I had just 
done an in-depth dive. Um, even though I didn't really talk about the BCCI, I did an in-depth dive uh, to determine how Mueller was covering up for the Bushes, not really the Saudis, when he was obfuscating the investigation and how, you know, he used only three weeks, three weeks and less resources, right? He closed the 9-11 investigation, but it took him $40 million and two and a half years to, to do the Russia hoax. I'm just saying, right? They're totally weird. So as I was looking into it, I realized that the Washington, D.C. branch didn't have an apparent routing number for its branch. And we know that if you bank with a bank that doesn't have a branch in your state like I do, um, they will issue you a routing number for one of their headquarters, right? For their headquarters, right? So I bank with a bank that doesn't have a branch in North Dakota. So I get a routing number for their headquarters. So the same thing goes for all banks, but this one, but when you, but when you have a bank account, like, like for example, if you bank with Wells Fargo, right? If you're in a South Carolina and you bank with Wells Fargo, you're going to have XYZ as your routing number because it's going to say routing number of Wells Fargo in South Carolina. That's what it tells the American Banking Association. And if you come here to North Dakota and you bank and you open up a bank account with Wells Fargo, you'll have a routing number that identifies it as a uh, as banking or opening up the account in North Dakota, right? The routing number is specific. Uh, that's to be able to monitor funds going in and out and, uh, you know, each institution's uh, liability, I would guess, okay? So here we have tons of money going in and out, and they're all being credited to the same routing number, which is for New York City. Not the headquarters number, okay? Not the headquarters number, but the branch, a branch in Queens and the Bronx or whatever. So I got looking into it, and it turns out this might be the new BCCI. So before we go any further, I want to play a clip from the 1980s where they were reporting on the BCCI. Now here is where they're going to be telling you about these NGOs, NGOs, very important, NGOs, and telling you exactly how some of the stuff that they busted them on, right, was through the BCCI. Like they were so corrupt, they were using, okay, nonprofits, they were using causes like Africa to 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 launder money and mm, just take a listen give white voters a chance to decide the country's future cbs news state department we hear that so far every man that i further we should explain something we are going to offer you at home a lot of information and we're going to try to make it coherent understandable on the other hand it's going to require a good bit of your attention and yes your concentration we all think that it's going to be worthwhile at the end of this hour and a half, so let's begin now, Brian. And behind every great human endeavor, there has to be a vision and idea, and behind every vision, there is an individual. And we have one here, don't we? That's right, Carrick. And in the case of BCCI, the individual is a man by the name of Aga Hassan Abadi, little known outside his native Pakistan, until BCCI came onto the world scene in a big way. centuries, the gold, the silver, the cash to build much of the modern world has come out of London. Out of an enclave Londoners call the city, the financial district, 
where generations of bankers and brokers in bowlers and pinstripes have ruled the world of high finance. This is a place of tradition, honor, and trust, a kind of capital of world banking. Wellington Square, the Bank of England, and just down the street, the world headquarters of what was the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI. BCCI looked like all the other banks here, with well-dressed bankers arriving in shiny limousines. But some people in London and elsewhere knew that BCCI was not what it seemed to be. All that was veneer and cover. Underneath BCCI was a, a cesspool. It was just nothing but criminality. My first introduction to BCCI was in a conversation with the CIA. I was for the bank of crooks and criminals. The BCCI logo is still here at the bank's world headquarters, but the BCCI bankers are in an unprecedented action. The Bank of England and banking authorities around the world acted together to pull the plug on BCCI, shutting down a bank with billions of dollars in deposits in more than 70 countries. A banking empire fell and fell hard. My own June salary is in there. I've got no money. I need it. Hundreds of thousands of depositors all over the world were wiped out. There were riots in the streets of Hong Kong. More than $8 billion was missing. There was a BCCI drug money scandal. A BCCI Washington scandal. A scandal around the world. Um, I'm just going to pull out my crystal ball here while I pause this and you listen to this. If everything that has come to my hands, and I'm not a financial crime specialist, seems to be what I think it is because it clearly follows the same footsteps of the BCCI. Those riots and those crying people that you heard, my money, thousands of depositors, billions of dollars missing, will be here in America and Canada. Because the bank that has mimicked activities of the BCCI, but it's more politically centric to the United States, houses almost all labor union retirement funds. Okay? Those people that will be out on the streets will be our firemen, our policemen, our factory workers, our teachers. Those are who I predict will be out in the street. And who is going to pay that bill? Are we going to pay it? And behind this whole calamity, one man, a man who built this banking empire, who befriended presidents, prime ministers, potentates, a man who is now accused of pulling off one of the great crimes of the century. This man, Aga Hassan Abedi, he was BCCI a worldly, well-connected Pakistani who at the height of his power was a spellbinding, hypnotic figure to some occult leader. Abadi said he had a vision of an Arab bank that would be the largest in the world. He was clearly a charismatic character. He was able to, um, uh, I think, persuade a great number of people 
employees and others to support this vision of his. And I think initially uh, it was successful. And in the feudal desert sheikdoms of the Middle East, the Abadi vision of a world-renowned Arab bank took hold. Abadi dazzled the sheiks and got $9 billion from one man alone, Zayed, the ruler of Abu Dhabi. Abadi was in action. He set up banks around the world where few questions were asked and where corrupt politicians took bribes to put their country's money into the bank. If you had a criminal enterprise and needed to move money, support the criminal enterprise, arrange payoffs, arrange uh, for currencies in difficult places, arrange to get around laws anywhere, this was a bank that would help you. BCCI became the bank of General Manuel Noriega of Panama and set up secret accounts to hide the general's money. BCCI laundered profits of the cocaine bosses, hiding much of the money in phony commodities trading. BCCI maintained accounts in London to fund the activities of Abu Nadal and other Mideast terrorists. And seized BCCI documents show that Abadi and top BCCI bankers siphoned off billions for themselves, setting up phony loans on the books. Phony loans on the books is how they funneled the money. This is going to be one of the most important, I think, shows of 2019 for me because I stumbled across a bank, a bank that claims to be the exclusive bank for, get this, listen to this term, political investment banking. Political investment banking isn't even a thing, okay? I may not have finished my MBA because I'm like three classes short. If, you know, I remember correctly and plowing through my books, there is no such. In my M&A class and, uh, you know, my (laughs) financial investing, institutional investing, (laughs) I look through, there's no such thing. But I'm going to tell you how they operate. And I'm not going to tell you off the top of my head or what I assume. I'm going to tell you what they claim, what they say they do, okay? They themselves claim that they have round-the-clock access for their clients. And their political investment banking not only gives them loans, loans with a single signature, for campaigns, right? Loans. You call them up. Yo, I'm Hillary Clinton. I need $7 million. Sure thing. We're putting it into your amalgamated bank account right now. Here's your loan. Hillary pulls it out, starts her campaign. I mean, this is an example. Not like it happened exactly like that in 2014 when she started her ready for Hillary pack, right? To start, you know, reaping in money. So what they do is they not only uh, give loans to every single candidate that's running that they support, but they also offer concierge services. So it's like an innovator. We're such a niche political investment bank. We offer cash on short notice uh, to political action committees and campaigns while we provide round-the-clock service to all political groups that operate outside traditional banking hours, meaning 24-7 you call them up. And here's what else they do. They fill out all your FEC paperwork. They, they dot the, the I's and cross the T's for you. 
Not only that, they do last minute paid advertising and marketing. They get in touch with the mainstream media to put your stories in. Get in touch with social media influencers to put it all out there for you. Yes, that is what this bank does. This bank, Amalgamated Bank, which is union-owned, union-owned, teachers' unions, all their money, there. Firemen, anyone that works with Unite or Here unions, their money is stashed into this bank. Now think about it. How many millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars did Hillary Clinton borrow during her 2016 campaign? How many millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars did other Democratic candidates get loans for? And here's the thing. They got busted for, uh, what did they say the BCCI did? Oh, in the form of loans, they would siphon money to themselves, right? In the form of loans. Well, in 2011, the FDIC came cracking down hard on this bank. For one reason only. They opened up a bank account to receive donations for Occupy Wall Street. Not only that, they funded and supported it. Not only that, the bank actually had banners on their windows saying, we support Occupy Wall Street. Where Occupy Wall Street's logo and anthem and words and, and stomping was shut, don't hold us accountable to bail out banks, you know, hold the banks accountable. Yet here's a bank that is funding this oh, and it's not the first one. And you know what? One of their biggest clients is um, George Soros. He has tons of founding committees. Now, after the break, I'm going to talk about how this all comes together as we listen more about the BCCI and find these eerie parallels. I'll see you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961 9194 
800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So where were we? We were talking about the BCCI and its similarities to that of Amalgamated Bank. To further that, let's take a little bit more of a listen of this documentary. All of these fictitious accounts created and the bank then started engaging in uh, drug money, laundering and other criminal activities. The money was disappearing at least as fast as it came in and probably faster. And this was all accomplished through a whole mechanism of multiple banks, multiple corporations, a tangled web so difficult to follow that almost no one could, including his own people. Uh, In the end, there wasn't any bank underneath all of these deposits. There's no there there. No, there, there. Amalgamated Bank was actually created in 1923. 1923 to support unions. They invested all the union money. All of it. No, there, there, huh? Let's take a listen. But all the while, Abadi was able to pass himself off as a man of vision and good works. He showed up at the United Nations gave out prizes from the BCCI Foundation and came to be known as a philanthropist and confidant of some of the world's great men. How could anyone think that such a man or his bank could be corrupt? Former presidential advisor Clark Clifford was Abadi's man in Washington and his lawyer. Former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Andrew Young, worked for Abadi as a consultant. Former British Prime Minister James Callaghan accompanied Abadi on economic missions. And perhaps most impressive of all the men seen with Abadi, a former president of the United States, Jimmy Carter. Oh, what happened to Bush? He was actually director of this bank. Why aren't we talking about George Bush? Mm, Right. Because he was president at the time when this was breaking. When all of this was happening, he was president. They don't talk about his relationship to the 20% owner, which was Khalid, a, uh, you know, Sheikh Khalid, who was one of his biggest supporters, one of his biggest investors, and a business partner. No mention of that, though. Carter flew around the world with Abedi, with millions of dollars from BCCI to promote good works in the third world. The Bank of Credit and Commerce is unique among all the banks that I've ever dealt with. They are major sponsors. Mr. Carter may not have known it, but he became BCCI's most important ambassador. And law enforcement authorities now say BCCI used Carter's trips to Africa to further its larger, grander scheme. It's obviously focused on people who would have 
from BCCI's point of view, a good market value in the areas where they were looking to develop depositors. Was it that cynical? I think so. Wait, is it like kind of like Hillary Clinton posing with the SEIU, you know, with the unions? Uh, is it like the the Clinton Global Initiative Fund? You know, the Clinton Foundation that Epstein helped to build with them, where they threw parties for the teachers unions. You mean that kind of clout? Are we talking about that? Because this gets stranger and stranger as we analyze this. And I, I promise you, I am trying to streamline this as much as possible into a document to show the similarities. I'm not saying Amalgamated Bank is BCCI. I'm just saying that they've got a lot of similarities. And I want to know what the Justice Department is doing. What is the Financial Crime Division doing? And... Who is going to help all these union workers that have worked 40 years, invested their money that might go up in a plume, just a complete plume? And if that's not enough, union money, they are now making bank on climate change. And we'll get into that as, uh, you know, the show uh, goes on. I want to take this uh, with baby steps so you can just comprehend just how complex, smart and calculated they are. Because as they said, the way that they would funnel money in and out is by fake loans, okay? And we're going to get to that point where the FDIC came down on it and said, what are you doing, Amalgamated Bank? And then in the, within a month, they found $100 million to fix it. Take a listen. Prosecutor John Mosco is running the BCCI investigation in New York. And he says in one case, after a Carter trip to Africa, set up a program to eradicate the deadly parasite known as the guinea worm. EC landed and got special exemptions from local laws. They would cash in on what appeared to be good works in the third world. They would do the good works and then say, and by the way, would you please do me the favor of exempting me from customs inspection and you mean like the global initiative in Africa? You mean like the Oprah Winfrey NGOs? You mean like Epstein's Ethiopia AI NGOs? You mean like the Barack Hussein Obama Africa initiative that he just did a couple months ago? Want to take a stab at what banking organization was being used? That's what I'm saying. And you know what's funny? Check these book deals out. Oh, woo. Found a link right there. And the president kept saying, darn it, man. All these people have book deals. <laughs> Maybe it comes part and parcel with um, political investment banking. Which means they can move money in and out all, all the time, any way they wanted. Money, drugs, goods, yes. President Carter continued to accept millions of dollars from Abadie and BCCI for Carter's good works long, long after the bank had been implicated in the world's biggest financial scandal. Well, Brian, you see that. We should mention right away that we asked Jimmy Carter to come on the program, but he declined uh, to participate. But what does he say now? I don't want to say much. What he has said when we tried to track him down was that he believed BCCI made contributions that furthered his projects, which were of an important purpose, he felt, in Africa. And that's about it. He did say to me at one point, I don't condone any criminal activity. But he said this long after the bank had pleaded guilty to uh, drug money laundering charges, and it was clear the bank was at that point very corrupt. All right. Well, how were the BCCI bankers able to reach people of such prominence and power? We'll find out more about that a little later in the morning. But first, the bank and intelligence agencies, including ours, who 
was using Homer. BCCI became an off-the-book operation of the CIA all around the world. The CIA told us it could not find any records in its files of a Casey connection to BCCI, but our sources say that's not surprising. Very few knew what Casey was up to with BCCI. Officials at the White House knew that BCCI was involved in a wide range of criminal activity as early as 1981. But what the White House knew was considered top secret, and no one has been willing to talk about it until now. Very early on in 1981, after I joined the staff of the National Security Council, I began to see the, the name of BCCI on a number of different documents. Norman Bailey was a senior intelligence analyst well, in the Reagan uh, White House. Several and in an interview... Wait a minute. The BCCI, they knew it from 1981, but here's the kicker. It was in 1981, wait, no, 1979, uh, in 1980, 80, sorry, late 80, that Bush 41 consolidated his company's Arbusto's 76, 77, 78, 79 into Arbusto 79 and 80, and then sold that to another oil company, Spectrum, and cre- which, by the way, was in business and in cahoots with 20% stakeholder in BCCI, President Bush 41, dead President Bush 41, corrupt Bush 41, was a director of that bank in the 80s, even though he was vice president, Mm, and cut them some really cool deals. But they supposedly knew these things in 81, but Bush... Bush, the whole Bush family was in bed with them. It makes absolutely zero sense. Somebody's lying. And it's definitely not the court paperwork, not the money paper trail, but the people on TV still feeding BS. You think fake news is something new? You must be mistaken. It's time for us to wake up and see exactly what is happening. Jimmy Carter. Bush 41 was in bed. He was a director of the bank, you guys. Bush 41 was a director of this corrupt bank when they supposedly knew it was corrupt. Someone's omitting facts and skewing them. With Mark Hosenball of NBC News, Bailey laid out some of what he says the White House knew BCCI was doing. Terrorist activities, gun running, uh, guerrilla movements, um, uh, technology uh, transfer uh, violations, uh, embargo and boycott violations, things of that kind. When these uh, documents are uh, are unclassified or released, uh, the involvement in BC of BCCI and all these activities will be reinforced. Um, uh, it was quite a record. But what Bailey didn't know at the time was that the director of the CIA, William Casey, had his own secret BCCI agenda, using the corrupt bank for covert activities. Bailey now says that explains why others at the White House were in no hurry to go after BCCI. It's public knowledge now that the uh, Central Intelligence Agency used uh, the BCCI for certain of its payments. And uh, obviously doing that uh, would make them less than totally favorable to uh, blowing the uh, BCCI cover. What happened? The official line from the CIA, given in testimony before a Senate subcommittee last year by then-acting CIA Director Richard Kerr, 
it was if the CIA did not make great use of BCCI. BCCI was not a major banking mechanism used by the agency for the support of covert foreign intelligence operations. It was used on an extremely limited basis for legal banking transactions. But an investigation by NBC News over the last five months, including interviews with former BCCI insiders, prosecutors, and foreign intelligence sources, has found that there is much, much more to the relationship between BCCI and the CIA than anyone in government has been willing to admit. An important part of the CIA-BCCI intrigue involves what BCCI sources say were secret meetings here at the Madison Hotel in Washington in one of the $2,000 a night presidential suites on the top floor of the hotel. According to BCCI sources, it was here that the head of the bank, Aga Hassan Abadi, met secretly for at least three years with CIA Director Casey. Sources say the secret meetings took place every few months, and the agenda involved Casey's two most important covert projects, secret Iran-Contra arms shipments and the arming of the Afghan rebels. We've been told by BCCI insiders that Abadi had his own personal relationship with William Casey. And they met frequently when Abadi was here in Washington. That's correct. We've been told that also. Senator John Kerry, the chairman of the subcommittee that's been investigating... Oh, wait a minute. Did he say John Kerry was in on this? And just to bring some light into this, it was Robert Mueller that was investigating this too. I thought I would mention that. So what were they... Oh, Iran Contra... Oh, what? Afghan rebels. You mean the Taliban and who? The guy you trained to go and help with the Russian jihad in Chechnya, right? Um, What's his name again? Oh, Osama bin Laden. That's right. And so then we set up all these fake charities. You know, the Holy Land Foundation, Islamic Relief. Now we've got CARE, you know? Kind of funny to think that maybe CARE may be banking with Amalgamate Bank or maybe has a loan with them or something like that. Or maybe their foundations or all these foundations, you know, Muslim Youth Centers, wonder if Ilhan Omar actually has an account with them. It'll be funny because then maybe we can see how Turkish money, Qatari money gets funded to her. I'm just saying, where is the Justice Department? Why aren't they investigating this? This smells. And if it smells, just take a look. I mean, they're housing money of unions, hardworking Americans that believe that their union dues will be beneficial to them. How many of you out there right now pay union dues? How do you feel knowing that it sits in a bank that writes blank checks to Democrats? How does that make you feel? Because this is an asset lending bank. Who knows? I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. They're writing loans left and right. Who's going to cover those loans? Right? Who's going to cover them? Take a listen. Getting BCCI says he's been able to confirm the bank's role in the Iran-Contra scandal and the arming of the Afghan rebels, the Mujahideen. We know to a certainty that the bank provided funding, was a conduit for funding to the Mujahideen. We know to a certainty that the bank was a conduit for providing money to Contras and to the whole uh, Nicaraguan uh, effort. We know to a certainty uh, that the bank had certain links to the CIA in that the CIA used it as a, as a conduit bank for CIA accounts. The Afghan rebels were supplied through neighboring Pakistan, 
and authorities say because BCCI's Abadi was so well-connected to the Pakistani government, the bank played a key role in organizing CIA arms shipments to the rebels. Wait, oh, wait, hold on. So we have Mina involved. Remember, $100 million missing. Barr was in on that, so he knows exactly what's going on. Uh, You know, because Noriega took the fall when Noriega was just part of the group. You know, Clinton, Bush group. They were all working together. Now they're telling you, yeah, the CIA was totally arming the jihad against Russia. And we were arming the Taliban with Osama bin Laden. But will they mention Osama bin Laden? That'll be interesting to listen. So this bank... Funded terrorism, funded drug cartels, funded Asian cartels, poppy fields. <laughs> I mean, mm, and a lot of politicians. Abadi is said to have intervened with then Pakistani President Zia at the request of Casey to make it easier for the CIA to operate. Investigators found this check to President Zia from BCCI for 40 million rupees. $2 million. Well, you know, El Chapo was paying, what, $100 million? Getting $100 million? Um, giving $100 million to the president of um, Mexico? I mean, can we see how many fat checks were written out to our Democrats? Maybe House Democrats, like, um, I don't know, Nadler or Pelosi or Schiff. You know, because Amalgamated Bank, even though they work with union funds, they also do something called financing, you know, uh, progressive companies. And some of these progressive companies own hotels like, um, I don't know, the Standard Hotel. So it would be interesting if the Justice Department actually, I don't know, just took a look and said, hey, you know, can we check your loans? Because like 10 years ago, we found that after you funded Occupy Wall Street, That the FDIC came down on you and said, why do you have so many bank accounts that are loans that have never, ever, ever been paid, yet you're not writing them off, you're not reporting any losses, and you're not actively seeking debt collection. So think about it. Why would a bank have, say, an account number with the name of, um, I don't know, Jerry Nadler, and they cut him a loan for a million dollars. And so this million dollars hasn't been paid in like, I don't know, four years. And not a penny has been paid back. No debt collection activities, nothing. And it's just sitting there pretty and not even put on their books as a loss. So they're like, you need to fix this. You have, this is an order, and there's a court document in the city of New York demanding that they fix this. This happened all under Obama, by the way. And just let's let's remember that it was Obama's campaign people that facilitate and um, offer customer service to all their political clients that all happen to be Democrats. Um, but there are some rhinos, aren't there? And so here's where we get into the nitty gritty. So this came up. They found all these loans, mysterious, crazy loans that were just sitting there negative, not a penny back. No interest, no fees, no fines, no, hey, Jerry, want to pay that loan? Nothing. And they're like, why aren't you debt collecting? Why aren't you writing them off? What's going on? How come these aren't charge-off accounts? They've borrowed a million somewhat dollars from you and they haven't paid it back. Why aren't you closing it out? 
And they're like, mm, good question. Within 30 days, they covered the debt. They had the kings of bankruptcy come in. The king. Two individuals, each receiving 20% ownership of the bank. That was the deal. They made a pretty penny right there, didn't they? 20% for $50 million each. So one of those $50 million to bail them out, not the people, but it came from financiers, was from this guy named Buckler. Okay. So let me tell you about Buckler quickly. Buckler owns a company called Ucapia Companies. Ron Burkle. Sorry, Buckler. I keep saying that. So Ron Burkle, he's a liberal, lefty, Democrat, BFF to the Clintons for a long time from L.A. And so he has this company, these conglomerates of companies called Ucapia Companies. Uh, he helped Bill Clinton get elected. And not only that, when the Clintons got out of the White House and they were supposedly broke, uh, he gave Bill Clinton a job. And guess what Bill Clinton's job was? <laughs> Senior advisor. What did he do? Absolutely nothing. What he did was broke Bill would sit down and find potential targets for Ucapia companies to purchase and create business deals. And he would get a finder's fee. You know, it's not like he used his former presidential seat in 2001 and 2002 um, when he was hired as this senior advisor uh, to manipulate these deals, nor did, um, uh, let's see, Ucapia companies, oh, gosh darn it, didn't they work with Epstein? Oh dear. So it's like they're all like in the same boat. And here we have Hillary Clinton with her ambitions and her husband making deals, his former seat as president making deals, and this company swoops in and purchases 20% of this bank for a $50 million to bail them out. So within 30 days, they had covered $100 million in debt. Guess who the other person was? Our Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross. He was known always to make his money by buying companies that were going bankrupt. So were they inferring that amalgamated bank that held billions and billions of dollars in union retirement funds was going bankrupt? Did the teachers know about it? What about the firemen? Factory workers? Anybody know about this? No, nobody knew about this. He came in $50 million. So here we have our own Secretary of Commerce that owns a fifth of this corrupt bank that continues on the corruption path. So you think union was enough? Climate change's a money hog, isn't it? And that's where we're going to get into that in the next half hour. So what you need to understand is, is that they're players. It, this is so intricate, so insane. Um, back in 2015, uh, through uh, the uh, Washington, is it the Washington Examiner? Yeah, Washington Examiner. Uh, a journalist by the name of Sarah Westwood wrote an article about Amalgamated Bank, a stellar article. And she clearly states a bank president stood beside the head of a big teacher unions at a glitzy Clinton global initiative event last month. And the two pledged to invest a hundred million in early childhood education. So keep in mind the bank president, the bank president of amalgamated bank that manages the money of all the unions, almost all the unions. It's, it's over a hundred labor unions throughout the U S and Canada said that they would invest themselves a hundred million dollars in early childhood education. Where's he getting that money? Is he leveraging that money that people are paying dues for? 
to fund initiatives he likes, pretty crazy, isn't it? And the weird thing is, at that glitzy event, guess who was there? Yeah, none other than Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, this is just how deep the corruption is. Amalgamated Bank is union-owned, super in-depth, deep-seated ties with the Democratic establishment. It is a uh, big labor player. Okay, it does everything there is to do with unions from the DNC to Hillary's campaign to Obama's campaign to Obama for America to Fusion GPS to George Soros. It has attracted all high profile accounts and it specializes in that political financing, uh, you know, kind of thing. But the weird thing is and what we will examine right after this short break is going to be the CEO, the CEO who is as left wing as they come, who has been working with left-wing and Soros-founded and funded organizations for years. Keith Maestrick, who is the CEO, was the top SEIU official before joining the bank in 2012 as the director of its Washington office. So Washington office, not the headquarters, is where the CEO of this bank hangs out. Pretty interesting. And he is now meshing the connections that he has to the left through his work and through his work with the Soros companies like Democracy Now! and others with banking and they are messing with union funds. I feel really, really bad for all those hardworking Americans that have contributed to their union funds that are being held in this bank because this bank is class A rated. Why? Because the majority of their assets are cash that every single blue collar American, every hardworking American that pays union dues funds. After this break, we'll just uh, elaborate a little bit more on this. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So again, uh, here we are, and we're talking money. We're talking corruption. We're talking... (laughs) about what could be one of the largest scandals that accidentally fell into my lap. 
Now, I did indeed provide information um, to the Justice Department. I actually called their uh, financial center, you know, the one that banks usually call. And I was like, I left a message and I was like, yo, I'm not a bank. I'm an investigated reporter. And I think you need to look into this. Here's my number. Call me back. They haven't called me back. Maybe they already know. And they're like, damn it. They figured it out. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Could be a shock leftover. God knows. But here's the thing. Before we get into the CEO, I want to tell you how they cover their butts. So the DNC, the Democrats in general, the Democratic Party, used to bank with Bank of America. Used to. In 1992, they all shifted to this amalgamated bank. Oh, wait, what was that? That was during the Clinton era, right? Okay, I just wanted to double check, you know, the, hmm, okay. So Bank of America lost them as banking money, let's say. And you would say, well, <clears throat> how did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. It was in 1991 and 1992 that the BCCI was held accountable. The case was closed and it was done. And Khalid, Sheikh Khalid, uh, was in court in New York and he paid the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve, $225 million. But he didn't admit that he did something wrong or anything like that. Okay. Um, you know, and this guy, Khalid, uh, that had to pay this money that was a large shareholder of BCCI because of the corrupt BCCI, but who was indeed business partners with the Bush family, right? Bush 41 and then Bush 43, obviously. Um, he, his daughter married Osama bin Laden too. So I'm just saying. So it was at that point after they got busted that they all moved from Bank of America because they were like, damn it, with all these regulations, they're going to see what we're doing with the Bank of America. So we're just going to move it to somewhere else. I mean, that's what I would say if I was the corrupt, uh, you know, political party. And, and let's get this straight, okay? The corruption is on both sides. Let's not just say the Democrats because we've got a lot in the Republican Party. It's like they play good cop, bad cop. But they're all same and cut from the cloth. I mean, now with President Trump, we're seeing a lot of these clowns exit and a lot of them shut up. And those that have little to no insurance on them from the corrupt ones are staying silent. We still need to purge those, too. Anyway, so here's the deal. They moved away from Bank of America and um, the Occupy Wall Street movement um, actually got a huge ball rolling during the Obama era. Uh, we'll get into that uh, with Bank of America, etc. So the DNC moved um, most of its business to Bank of America into the Amalgamated Bank. And this switch started in 1992. And... People involved in this, you know, whole switch of it um, were talking about how, uh, you know, the, the whole DNC movement in 2012 should happen after uh, the election. And that and this is was that and that wasn't the point. Um, you know, we're talking 1992. They started 2012. They completed. So it was a 10 year plan. Right. OK. Um, and here's the reason why. After they moved into it, obviously, just like any bank that invests union funds, they invest. So when money goes missing or when people call you out 
or you need to produce paperwork all at the same time. Like, for example, you know, someone comes in and says, show me your books. And you're like, here they are. Uh, Here is the union fund for the teachers of, I don't know, New York. Or here is the union fund for the employees of San Francisco. Or here's it because these are government employee funds are also there. Okay, union dues that they pay some some uh, states and cities actually have union dues and funds that they pay. So. You show them one by one, and what do you do? You just move the money on the computer on a spreadsheet. You balance it out. You're like, here you go. There you go. Oh, this is nice. Here you go. But let's say they ask you for a portfolio that's really big. Or let's say they ask you for three portfolios at once, and you're stuck. You're just like, I'm about $50 million short. What do I do? Here's what you do. Bad investments. I mean, no one's going to yell at you because you accidentally invested money in something that just blew up in your face. They're going to be like, oh, that's too bad. Here's what happened. So uh, we all know that the Clintons were in a lot of trouble and they needed legal fees. They even opened up funds nationwide called the Clinton Legal Fund. Please invest in us. Not saying that we're guilty, but we might be in 1999, right? 19, no, sorry, 1995 they opened this. And I'll actually slot that in into the here's how they did it um, article piece that it'll spin off of my main one. So um, Amalgamated Bank in the late 90s, we're talking 98, 99, while the government that has most of their assets in there and Clinton, who is the president, has his assets in there, supposedly, right, supposedly. He's got loans, not assets, but anyway. And all the union money that was in there, The company decides we're going to invest in AOL. Oh, great. So let's do AOL. We'll buy stock of AOL. Well, AOL is great. Merger happens in 2001. It tanks. Oh, we didn't expect that. We didn't expect the stock to drop from $58 per stock to $860 per share. Oops, there goes $56 million. And so the amalgamated bank vice chairman, who was also the big dude of Unite, right? Ross Rayner, actually um, pushed and put a class action suit against... um, uh, AOL Time Warner executives um, and Ernest Young. So here's what they did. We lost $56 million. $56 million, they'd never have to pay back because it was an accident. And, uh, you know, they then sued them because they lost money and got like $2.65 billion uh, to settle with the investors, which were what? The unions, right? So... <laughs> This is how they work. They lose the money and then they sue. They did this before. They did it to Coca-Cola. The bank did the same thing to Coca-Cola when their CEO resigned, when they stopped using the Coca plant, uh, you know, because apparently Coca-Cola used to put cocaine in it and the recipe changed and they tanked and they were like, we want money. We invested. He resigned. It wasn't expected. Why did he resign? Why did you change the recipe? We want money. So here they come along. We're going to sue you for the money we lost, air quotes. So not only do they lose the money because they've used the money that wasn't theirs in the first place, but then they go asking for change. It's like going to the store, picking up, you know, chips and a drink and some bubble gum, going to the register and handing your hand out and saying, where's my change? And, you know, they're like, but you didn't give us anything. Give me my change or else I'll sue you. And, you know, awkward. This is how they work. And, you know, that is how they operate. If you follow Amalgamated Bank's history, they have been losing money like in only two cases in the early 2000s. It lost 
almost $80 million because of these schemes. And Loretta Lynch was like, oh, it was just so bad. Here's the thing. Two guys in Queens actually took the fall. And here's what happened. This bank gave them $21 million in loans and that they never paid back. And I guess they were being investigated at the time because that's when it happened with the FDIC. And so uh, they never paid those bank, back and they got done in for fraud, apparently. So the defendants were this guy named Thomas Foley and Courtney Dupree. And they were uh, the CEO and COO of um, GDC Acquisitions. And basically, uh, they allegedly were creating fictitious or premature projections. But here's the thing. How come they went to jail for fraud when they've been lending money like crazy to Hillary on projected income coming in for campaign contributions, which is, get this, not a business and not 100% because this is campaign. But, you know, those are just details. We shouldn't talk about that, right? Because it's different for the Clintons. It's different for the Democrats, right? Take a listen to how the BCCI scandaled its way into the hearts of all these politicians. So you get the idea of um, what was that. I think we need to go to Washington. Um, let me let me put this because we had Hatch speak too. I want you guys to listen to this. Let me just go back to this sound clip. Hold on. Here we go. There we go. Take a listen. Georgia. A glittering office tower in Miami. Ocean-going yachts. A fake billionaire frontman. Smiles, connections, good times, and money. Millions to buy friends and influence for a bank that turned out to be a worldwide criminal enterprise. Hiding what this bank was up to was quite a trick. In a way, it was like hiding a herd of elephants in Central Park. The amazing thing. Man was BCCI's man in Washington, Clark Clifford, one of the most distinguished men in American public life. Wait, wait, let me just say something on Clark Clifford. Are you ready for this? Because he's like a really important dude, right? He was not only part of this, but he was also part of Amalgamated Bank. So take uh, the, the thing about Clark Clifford is that what people don't seem to understand is that they all run in the same. You know how we notice that um, uh, we have a repeat Mueller, Comey, Bushes, Clintons, blah, and they just keep coming up and all their friends. Well, Clark Clifford, uh, you know, who was part of this whole thing, uh, he was National Security Advisor Truman to other presidents. He wore a hat called White House Counsel, Chairman of Intelligence Advisory Board, Secretary of Defense. Oh, I wonder how the cartels got arms. Oh, I wonder how the Taliban got paid. Oh, I wonder how Osama bin Laden got his money when this guy is sitting on this bank that funded terrorism. <laughs> and he's also linked to Amalgamated Bank. I mean, this is just a coincidence, right? Coincidence. A close advisor and confidant to four presidents, Truman, Kennedy, Secretary of Defense for Lyndon Johnson, and a roving ambassador for Jimmy Carter. And now, investigators say at the age of 85, Clifford, the grand old man of Washington, and his young law partner and protege, Robert Altman, are facing possible indictment in the BCCI scandal. Under investigation, possible fraud and deceit 
Washington's biggest bank, the First American Bank. Clifford was chairman of the bank and even appeared in its commercials. The bank advertised that it was the all-American bank, but it was anything but. It was secretly owned and controlled by BCCI. But for 10 years, Park Clifford gave his word, as good as gold in Washington, that nothing was wrong at First America. Norman Bailey says when he worked for the National Security Council, White House officials relied heavily on Clifford's word. I mean, he was extremely active in, in uh, trying to maintain the what turned out to be the fiction that uh, BCCI was not the owner of the bank. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Testifying before the Senate, Clifford and Altman both strongly denied any wrongdoing. And Clifford said that even though he was First American chairman and BCCI's lawyer, he knew nothing about secret ownership or any BCCI influence at First American. Did it corrupt First American? Not in any way. Do I ask you to take my word for that? I do. My word has been important here for a great many years in Washington. And I ask you to take it. But investigators say that for a lot of the time, BCCI was pulling the strings at First American. I just want to tell you something. Okay, you ready for this one? Because this is going to blow your mind. So as I was looking into BCCI and I was looking into Amalgamated Bank, I saw that Heather Podesta works with Amalgamated Bank. And then I saw that, oh, what was it? First American Bank, you know, that you're listening to now. It was Clark and his, what, his protege, Robert Hoffman. Oh, wait a minute. Um, What's weird is, is that Heather Podesta and partners, Robert Hoffman. Robert Hoffman built and led and collaborated with government and advocacy teams to develop Heather Podesta and partners. Oh my gosh, like such a coincidence. This is what needs to be investigated. And you know, you're going to be like, this is just way too much. It totally is. But this is the core. This is how they move money. When do, when you want to disable a terrorist group, what do you do? You hit their money. If you want to find who's ultimately responsible for money, for, for something, what do you do? Follow the money. Follow the money is the mantra of anyone that wants to get to the bottom of anything. We've got the BCCI scandal with names like Podesta, Epstein, Clinton, Bush, Obama, right? And, and they're all housed under the guise of, we support unions, we are investing in those minorities that have clients like Planned Parenthood, Fusion GPS, the Podestas, and all these politicians, DNC, you name it, they have it. But, you know, it's just a coincidence. What, what are we doing here, right? It has nothing to do with what is going on. It has everything to do with what is going on. You stop the money flow they can't do anything so you have to think who else banks with them who else does things with them because that's the curious question it's been 10 years since they've been looked at their books have been opened that have been put through fine tooth comb and this luxembourg investment arm here's where i want to go so when the bcci was operating at first in, uh, american bank 
that we're going to listen to that little clip, his testimony where he literally clasped his hand and said, but I've been your voice so long in Washington. Trust me. They had investment firms in England, in Europe, specifically Germany, Gosh, those Germans, and Luxembourg. And then I thought, wait a minute. When DECA International, the investment fund that a lot of these um, union monies may be going to, uh, was established, uh, we had... Brennan with a Saudi setting up a monitoring company in Luxembourg. And it just so happens that those two organizations are found at the same address. I mean, I'm just pointing out coincidences, not saying it is. I'm just pointing it out, right? So you have to think, if I were the corrupt DNC bank, what would I do? I would take all that money from the idiots that pay dues and support me and drop their votes like teachers. I would take all their money and I would invest it. I would invest it in all these great funds and tell them, yeah, it's perfect. But they're all overseas. So if I lose money, it's be like, oh, gosh, darn it. It was a global fund. You guys agreed to it. We were going to make so much money. Yay. And then I need to give loans to Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders and the DNC and all these Congress people because we need to keep the house. We need to keep Nadler, you know, in his seat and buy him some new belts that won't strangle him while he sits. This is what I would do. I would give him loans. And I would back it on assets that I have overseas. But see, because it's overseas, I can name it uh, Fund Nutella, for example. I love Nutella. Uh, so Fund Nutella is what I'm going to back it on. Fund Nutella is actually Fund XYZ, Fund XYZ, that is Fund XYZ, that then ultimately is backed by what? Oh, those teacher union funds housed in DECA International. Oh, that's how it is. See, if people paid attention to detail, so much would manifest. And if you want to cripple corruption, you got to stop their money. So hmm, I'm not saying they are, but I'm kind of saying they're very similar. Listen to how they cried their way to get out of this. Clifford may have been chairman, but investigators say that BCCI's Abadi was putting people into key jobs. And this alone could be the grounds for a fraud indictment if Clifford helped to cover up BCCI's secret control. The investigation of Clifford's partner, Robert Altman, the socialite husband of actress Linda Carter and president of First American, also involves allegations of a bank cover-up and goes further. Investigators are now checking financial and real estate records of some of Altman's wide circle of friends in the White House, the Congress, and the media to see if anyone got any favors from or did any favors for First American or BCCI. According to investigators, one question involves the relationship of Altman and his wife with Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah. When BCCI was in big trouble because of the drug money laundering case, it was Senator Hatch who stood up on the floor of the Senate to defend the bank. I regret there have been some calls to put BCCI out of business in this country. It now turns out that according to these documents, Altman and other BCCI lawyers helped put together the senator's speech, writing in words of praise for BCCI's top management, words that came out of Hatch's mouth on the Senate floor. Of course it's an embarrassment. 
Of course it is in the sense of the last paragraph where I praise the management of BCCI. was what I know today, but I didn't know that then. I sure it's an embarrassment. And what- oh, they praise them. Yeah, because they were friends. It's kind of like, if indeed we're right about this um, amalgamated bank, they'll be like, well, you know, it's embarrassing. We thought, and we kind of, and we threw parties, and they took funds, and, you know, oh, oops. No, it doesn't work anymore. It's 2019. People aren't that stupid anymore. And it's all coming now to the forefront. You want to stop corruption? You start with the money. Where do you do it? Nip it in the bud. Here's the thing. Union is one. Solid assets. But now they moved over to something new. In 2006, a new bank opened up on the West Coast. This bank was called New Resource Bank. New Resource Bank was a bank that was created uh, and um, embraced by Silicon Valley. This bank specifically has one thing and one thing only in mind, and that is climate change. Climate change. The only thing they do is collect all the money that people are paying in carbon tax, uh, you know, companies that are going green and funding this, you know, all that stuff. And this bank is what they would call the Green Bank. It's so awesome, isn't it? It's like, we believe in saving the environment because we're all going to die. So this bank was founded in 2006. And New Resource Bank uh, is, listen to this, uh, was supporting the California State Treasurer Office and California's two largest pension funds. Okay, pay attention. California public employees, California state teacher retirement systems. So they are reviewing green investing options. That's in 2006. This bank was literally bankrolled by um, foreign uh, banks, foreign ones, uh, specifically one that's called um, Triodos. Triodos is spelled T-R-I-O-D-O-S, which means it's like a three-way street. That's what it means. And uh, they were the founding investors. That bank is Europe's pioneer in sustainable banking and has offices in five countries. Obviously, Germany is one of them. And their assets in 2006 had doubled, you know, to uh, at the time, you know, of 2005, 2006 is 3.7 billion. This bank funds and helps underwrite programs now for the European Union in regards to climate change action. They are part of the board. They are part of the EU commission and everything. New Resource Bank was just bought out by Amalgamated Bank just about a year ago. They are all about green. And it turns out this buyout gave them a big chunk of Amazon. And it's it's pretty incredible. You you know I don't know how to how to put it there, but it seems like the same names keep coming up. And Mark Epstein, um, who's that? Oh yeah, that is um, Jeffrey Epstein's brother, right? Directors. Uh, we have a. Uh, with um, uh, Rosemary Anna, uh, who is Pillsbury Winthrop attorney, who was also the former general counsel of the California Department of Financial Institutions on the board, uh, social finance, 
uh, Michael Van Decker, who was the co-founder of Baker Street Advisors, which is wealth management. Like these are the people that helped put this together. And these are the people and their ideas that were bought out. Guys, they're making money on climate change and they are using, right, union funds for their assets to maintain a class A while they have all these open loans. This is how you maintain a class A rating by not having uh, that much debt, by reasonably lending, right? A bank is reasonable in lending and offers things. What's crazy is, is that, you know, it's like they're operating and nobody cares. And so right after this break, we're going to delve into the CEO, his connections, and what we can all do. I mean, the only thing we can do is talk about it, but educate ourselves on just how deep the corruption is. Because if this is indeed the new BCCI, this will be the financial scandal of the century for the United States, not the planet like BCCI. But it could be. Who knows? I'll see you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this final half hour, uh, we're going to be talking about the CEO of this bank. And also, I want to... Um, put a little um, hiatus there. So earlier in the show, and thank you listener for DMing me, um, because I do look at my DMs and texts uh, when I am allowed to by technology. Um, They were like, no, 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 it was Robert Altman, not Hoffman. I was like, wait a minute, there was Hoffman and Altman that were involved. So Altman was the banking guy, uh, the banking lawyer, and um, Hoffman was the consultant banking guy. So I just wanted to clear that line. So Robert Altman was the Washington lawyer who was charged with trying to defraud regulators about, you know, first American bank shares being acquired by BCCI um, that was acquitted. <laughs> yeah, of course he was. Um, and um, he was indicted with Clark um, Clifford, uh, those two. Hoffman was a named um, redacted, so they don't ruin his career. Um, and he was a consultant to the finance part of it. So he was like the consultant financier, uh, not the law partner. So I should state that. Now, Altman, after being, you know, acquitted and whatnot, he's got, you know, um, a big career that came after that. You know, he's a he's still in mortgage capital advising. Uh, he has a company, Altman Warwick. Uh, he became the director of finance in 86 for the Schaffman Corporation. He was involved in like, this scandal, uh, you know, th- there's there's a lot that people don't see um, how these people are connected. So I just thought I would put it out there. Um, Altman being acquitted, okay, just so you know, ended the whole uh, BCCI investigation um, pretty much. This was a setup. They let them go. They all knew. And most of the people questioning them, Congress, Senate, everybody and their mother there banked with BCCI. They knew exactly what they were doing and they were just playing the honorable card, which is ridiculous. So what um, I wanted to kind of further is this, uh, this CEO speaks volumes on his own like who he is and what he does um uh it is alleged and i found an article from uh the new york post that the obama linked activists actually had a training manual issued uh for protesting trump and that was actually coming out of uh organizing for action group um that was founded by former president barack hussein obama who has a bank account so uh, OFA, which is an Obama foundation, banks um, with Amalgamated Bank. They, they, they have his like services. They service Barack Hussein Obama. And um, the manual was actually funded um, by the bank with a loan or something like that. This hasn't been confirmed yet. This is just something I wanted to put out there. Because one thing that many people have at their tip of the tongue, and we have to hat tip Alex Jones again, is that all of these protests seem very well organized and funding. 
and it is not hidden. And for some reason, everyone thinks it's a conspiracy theory to say, but Occupy Wall Street was literally funded by Amalgamated Bank. They opened up a bank account for them to take donations. The donations were like um, almost $400,000 to help protesters protest. Like, what do you mean? Are you feeding them sandwiches? Are you buying them tents? Or are you paying for their cards? Like, what are you doing? Oh, you mean you're funding paying people to go there. Okay, you know, this is this is important because Alex Jones has been knocked many, many times for saying it. But there's evidence. It's like, but it's right there. This isn't a conspiracy theory. It's like right there. This isn't fake. It's right there. This bank even had a banner saying we support. And it was all over the news that they opened up a bank account for Occupy Wall Street. And they've been doing it ever since for all these organizations. Want to make a bet? I almost guarantee you I would put my hand to the fire that we will find an account that is linked to the Charlottesville we will find an account that's linked to, to, to what happened in Michigan, right? Hands up, don't shoot, right? All that stuff. We will find an account probably linked to the Antifa stuff. You think we won't? You think we won't? They funded Obama's inauguration. You know that, right? <laughs> These people are right all over it. You know, protesters may be affiliated with Organized for Action or not, but the bottom line is, they were getting money from that. That is what is being stated. New York Post wrote about it. The New York Post wrote about it, that they have handbooks on how you should protest. They're very well organized. Okay, very well organized. Now, the president and CEO of, of Amalgamated Bank is a guy named Keith Mestrick. He is, um, you know, he is um, a guy who's been in the labor movement for a while. He was the chief, uh, he was the CFO, basically, and deputy chief of staff for the Service Employees International Union, SEIU. And he was also the chief of staff for the SEIU's Workers United Conference, okay? Uh, so this is his resume. Uh, he, you know, amalgamated bank, their core in regards to customers, are unions um, and their, you know, investment and retirement funds, progressive, not profit institutions and political organizations, as well as the members of, you know, whatever these groups are. Okay. Um, so this is the bank literally tells you if you're a Democrat, we support you and you should be our customer. It literally tells you that they say if you're an NGO and you work with, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, causes that we believe in, then uh, you're our customer. We want you as a customer. This guy also has been part of group of a group that was founded um, by George Soros, too. Yeah, he's worked for Democracy Now!, Democracy, uh, what was it called? Democracy, it'll come to me. Um, he has done so much in that realm. One would have to think, well, how is he um, working as a president of a bank now for it? Well, that's the way it goes. They put the right people in the right place, the ones that they need to promote their ideologies. This is how you get things done. Um we all know that unions don't like doing business with people that have non-union employers, right? And so uh, 
it has been a union focused bank for a while. Um, and obviously they're going to have a CEO that has a history of that to attract more. And it was under his, uh, you want to say regime, because he's still there, uh, that they, um, united unite and here and into one group and took all their money maestrick had said once that our progressive partners have real issues they're grappling with we take the time and energy to come up and fix the problems they have what do you mean you take time and energy um to fix the problems they have I mean, when he had an interview, he wouldn't discuss specific clients, but he said they were creative in finding ways to serve allies that are effective to the bank's mission. Wait a minute. The bank has a mission other than being a bank. That's the thing. The bank has a mission. What are they doing to have them? There was a um, chain bridge right, was uh, into political banking when the 2008, um, you know, crisis hit for McCain. Okay, listen to this. So McCain, we know, lost. The reason he lost is because he didn't have a social media presence. That's what the, the like, the, ana- the analysis that you do post-election, you see where and where the, where the deficiencies were. But uh, he um, he got into with Chainbank, and that is where he would stash cash. Uh, I want to play this little clip from Bloomberg from 2015. Listen. Oh my gosh, it's not even Phil, to play. Phil, how did this happen? By pure happenstance, Brendan, look, this bank was started in 2007. It was supposed to be just kind of a traditional community bank model, turn into a branch bank, have a couple around the Washington, D.C. area. It was started by a former Republican senator, Peter Fitzgerald. Peter Fitzgerald happened to be pretty good friends with John McCain. In 2008, John McCain was banking with Wachovia. Wachovia was having some problems in the summer of 2008. To say the least, the campaign got very nervous that they wouldn't be able to transfer the millions in and out of the account that it needed to in Wachovia. Uh, McCain and compliance people looked at Peter Fitzgerald and the bank, said that they wanted to transfer the accounts over. They did. The, the bank doubled its deposits in one month in 2008 and since then has just started a tradition. At this point, guys, 99% of the bank's liabilities are in deposits. Some of the biggest presidential campaigns, including Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush's super PAC, Tom, your favorite, Donald Trump, uh, Scott Walker, all of them keep their money at this bank. So it has now become a specialist. Doesn't have her money with it. Uh, no, Hillary no, Clinton nope. uh, banks with, uh, I think, amalgamated here. I don't that's, know. It's, a what? it's all GOP. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, Phil, this is just a plain vanilla. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Stop the press. So, Hillary Clinton banks with amalgamated, but Rick Perry, Rand Paul, Donald Trump, Jeb Bush, all of them bank with Chainbridge Bank. And I guarantee you that Donald Trump didn't get to pick what bank. The RNC does. Let's get this clear. Because President Trump doesn't pick when he's running and the GOP runs things. It's the GOP. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you saying that we have a GOP type bank that McCain helped set up when Wachovia was being sold to Wells Fargo? Because that's what happened, right? 
Wells Fargo bought them, remember? Wait, what? Okay, just take a listen. Deposits, uh, uh, banking, how, what, how are the services it offers different? If it's got to specialize in uh, managing campaign money, what does it do differently? So this is what it's developed over the last seven years. And I was talking, I've talked to a ton of compliance people, treasurers, and these guys don't exactly like to talk to the press, but it's those relationships that makes this bank what it is right now couple of the key things here. One, think about campaigns. They are immediate startups with millions and millions of dollars within a couple weeks, but nothing before that. So a bank would traditionally want credit checks before, say, handing out three dozen credit cards to campaign staffers strewn about the country. This bank okays them immediately. Another key component, probably one of the most that I heard when I was talking to people that deal with this bank, is its willingness to keep its wire open as long as the Fed wire is open. A lot of banks close their wires probably around 2.30 or 3. Wait. I want to tell you something. So President Donald J. Trump got off the escalator and just maybe like a fortnight max. They did all this research and they're saying that he banks with Chainbridge Bank, too. That got that doesn't sound right because this is from 2015, July 22nd. So it doesn't really sound right because um, he wasn't in full swing uh, political campaigning. So I'm finding it a little bit hard how Bloomberg, within just a couple weeks when President Trump was funding his own stuff out of his own pocket and he was trying to get the RNC and the GOP in general to fall behind him when he was negative, negative percent, according to the polls, was banking with them all of a sudden, you know, yeah, maybe he dropped a couple million of his own dollars in there and he's like, well, everybody banks with them. I guess that's where it comes out of. But are you listening? They're they're telling you what Chainbridge Bank does, which is the same thing and even more that Amalgamated does. Okay. The wire doesn't close until five. That matters, Tom, because if you need to get an ad up in Iowa in an afternoon, right. in a single afternoon, and you need to transfer millions of dollars, that two hours can okay. make all the difference in the world. Still, they don't have a Christmas club. They got a November club, and they don't give out toasters. I get it. Is any of this illegal? I mean, is Phil Mattingly saying these guys are criminals? No, not at all. Tom, what's most interesting is just the model. This is not an extraordinarily lucrative model. The bank itself is extraordinarily deposit heavy, but they have to keep the majority of those deposits, the cash on hand, because of how quickly the campaigns move money in and out. So basically, they're not making a ton of money off this. They have a lending portfolio, but it's very conservative. They have no debt on their books right now. They have an amazing Texas rating. So basically, they're doing... Wait, amazing Texas rating. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. So we already know that Amalgamated Bank has cash deposit heavy, right? What is it? Yeah, union dollars. So what does Chainbridge Bank have when McCain set it up, like when he did it? And it's Texas? So wait a minute. Remember when we were listening to the introduction of the BCCI? What did they have? Cash deposits and what else? Commodities, right? Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. Houston-based. Just wild guess right there doing this and it's a private bank they don't have to deal with a ton of shareholders banging down the doors asking for more loans and more yeah. uh, risk to be taken but they're doing this in a plain vanilla way in a way that doesn't make a ton of Kyle money it's just developed into their business well yeah but let me jump in here because uh, you know actually this is what jumped out in the in the, in the, in the piece that you wrote uh, for our audience uh, the bank puts most of the money it receives from campaigns into excess reserves at the fed that earns 25 basis points and it may not be around forever don't they have to think about a new model in the future oh wait a minute oh, federal reserve wait the bcci used a similar model but so this bank is tied into the fed reserve 
long-term bond lending, is it? Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? So one of the interesting things when I was talking to Peter Fitzgerald, the chairman of the bank, that he pointed out, and he's actually pointed this out in his last three or four annual letters, the low interest rate environment is not good, obviously, if you're deposit heavy and you're keeping all of your money in short-term accounts, like the Fed Reserve uh, account. So they're getting 25 basis points. That's before the FDIC fee. That's before OCC fees. So it's really kind of a break-even business right now. The thought process right now at the bank amongst top officials is this. When interest rates start to rise, then you can start investing that money in treasuries. Say you get 5% on your treasury, 2 to 3% on the interest you're paying back. There's your spread right there. And then this becomes a very valuable business. I don't see them moving into riskier or longer-term loans anytime in the near future, guys. It's just not part of their model. It's not part of the tradition of the Fitzgerald family, which has about 75 years of banking experience, guys. Okay, let me tell you something about this. So I did a little bit of uh, digging. This bank doesn't use anybody else's funds. It literally um, uh, lends uh, based on loans that they get in um, government bonds. So they're pretty strict on how much they can cap. So there will be campaigns that they'll be like, yo, you're capped. You, you can't use anymore. Done. Whereas with Amalgamated Bank, it's an unlimited, what they call in China, a black card, right? A black card card in China is unlimited credit. You could do whatever you want with it. That's basically what Amalgamated Bank is. Chainbridge, on the other hand, um, because of that merger happening with Wachovia, because of the transfer into Wells Fargo, uh, McCain reached out to his buddies and he's like, yo, Bush. And he's like, well, you know, we could do this. We could do that. They invested a bunch in it. Chainbridge Bank, you know, whatever. Um, Chainbridge after 2010 changed it was a deposit only and yeah they cater to um uh, you know politicians but they cap them so there's a cap it's not like unlimited they won't extend the credit more than the bonds that they have so it's pretty uh it's pretty good they don't have a lot of foreign investments and most of them are like i said federally backed bonds so they're more conservative so here we have in 2015 an expose on trying to point to, um, you know, how, uh, you know, the Republicans are funneling money. But I want you to listen to how quickly they talked over the person when they said, oh, Hillary Clinton banks with Amalgamated. Take a listen. This is 2015. Happenstance, Brendan. Look, this bank was started in 2007. It was supposed to be just kind of a traditional community bank models, turn into a branch bank, have a couple around the Washington, D.C. area. It was started by a former Republican senator, Peter Fitzgerald. Peter Fitzgerald happened to be pretty good friends with John McCain. In 2008, John McCain was banking with Wachovia. Wachovia was having some problems in the summer of 2008. To say the least, the campaign got very nervous that they wouldn't be able to transfer the millions in and out of the account that it needed to in Wachovia. Uh, McCain and compliance people looked at Peter Fitzgerald and the bank, said that they wanted to transfer the accounts over. They did. The, the bank doubled its deposits in one month in 2008 and since then has just started a tradition. At this point, guys, 99% of the bank's liabilities are in deposits. Some of the biggest presidential campaigns, including Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush's super PAC, Tom, your favorite, Donald Trump, uh, Scott Walker, all of them keep their money at this bank. It has now become a specialist. Hillary Clinton doesn't it have is, her money with them. Uh, no, Hillary no, Clinton no. Uh, banks with, uh, I think, amalgamated here. I don't That's know. Correct. It's, a, That's I, correct. it's all I don't know that. Remember? Did you hear that? Oh, I don't know that. Like, I don't know. Your favorite, uh, Donald Trump? Yeah. So what they're saying is it's heavy deposit. It's deposit-based, ba- but it's not union-based. 
It's not union-based. It's deposit-based. It's where super PACs start. It's where they go, and they cater to them just so they can have heavy deposit base. It's like a niche boutique bank. Amalgamated is a union-owned bank, and it started to do this in 1992 when it got the DNC business. Pretty incredible. I mean, I'm going to be doing a deep dive into... um, uh, chain bridge as well uh, to do a compare and contrast because I don't think anyone's talking about this. You want to hit hard for 2020 elections? Hit their pockets. Take a look at their bank. Why aren't we opening up investigations? I mean, if I have it in my hands, the, the documentation that I had uh, uh, you know, access to about Epstein where I found Amalgamated Bank on repeat getting money into NGOs wired into Amalgamated Bank from Epstein, J.P. Morgan accounts, uh, from Epstein's Deutsche Bank accounts, from Epstein's investment accounts, from, you know, uh, the, the federal government has it too. So here is where, you know, I, if I were Durham... I'd be looking into the money that funded uh, this uh, dossier because it turns out that those organizations and specifically, and I'm going to say this without giving away the name, there is a group that was created by a Feinstein right hand person that clearly pushes democratic uh, notions. That group banks with amalgamated exclusively and that same group was the one that hired fusion gps so i want everyone you know if there's something you need to re-listen to great please send me emails i want to thank um my listener in idaho scott i mean you're incredible um he sends me emails of my shows just in case we have, uh, you know, some issues uh, with the uh, recordings. Because, you know, it's always like when you're saying something people don't want uh, other people to hear. It gets interrupted, kind of like our YouTube mess about with Millie Weaver, which was crazy. Um, but this is pretty incredible. We had the left trying to attack the financials of Jeb Bush. Like, who cares? Right. <laughs> Jeb was the, the, the Bush that was left behind. He's special. Um, we tried to get them that. Uh, to, they tried to do that. Uh, where do presidential candidates bank? But what they didn't focus on is the fact that Amalgamated Bank has been bankrolling presidential candidates, congressional candidates, and Senate candidates for the Democrats since 1992. Yet it was established in 1923. See, the history of Chainbridge Bank was pretty much done on need. I was actually a Wachovia um, uh, customer, so I know exactly what they're talking about. Because for McCain, who was banking with them because they were so niche, while they were undergoing this merger and they had issues and Wells Fargo was buying them, it would be hard for him to be pumping out cash, uh, especially when their credit rating was going to be in, you know, looked into and they needed to stabilize and they couldn't extend their debt during a campaign. 
So this was kind of like a favor of a former Republican to another. Hey, I have a little boutique bank because I have money. So, you know, why not? And it's it's deposit heavy, but it's not union deposit heavy. And we have to remember that it's the unions that the Democrats attach themselves to, yet the only ones that they don't look after. And you have to think for every single teacher out there, every single union pay. My husband pays union dues, too. You have to think like, is no one paying attention? Your funds, you know, the money that you're paying into these unions, right? Because you're expecting to get, you know, a pension plan from your union later. Uh, You know, you want protection for your job, you know, all these things. I mean, don't you care that this money may not even be where it is? Because the Democratic Party has absolutely zero money. Guys, they went to Mexico last weekend to raise money. If you look at the contributions that they've received, it's pretty much zero. President Trump, $25 million. Boom, boom, boom. He has no problem getting anything. He has a text thing. If he has a text thing where I could donate 10 bucks, I'd be doing that twice a month from my phone. Just take it or 20 bucks or a hundred bucks. Take it because people want him to win. He's getting money because people want him to win. The question is the Democrats, where are they getting their money since no one's giving them any? Where are they getting their money? They're working with a bank that houses deposits of the union that has been known to repeat and act in the way the BCCI did. They have investment funds overseas that do not fall under our regulations. People need to start thinking. Follow the money. And when you see people like Epstein involved, that's where you know you should take a step back and say... Whoa. Um, what's going on here? On that note, Hillary Clinton is holding up a fundraiser. Who knows? Will she pop in last minute? Let's see. On that note, I want to wish you guys a great evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State. See you tomorrow and hang on to your seat. I hear something big is coming. God bless. A long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.